0: Good morning, church family. Morning. I pray that you are all well. As today is not only the final Sunday of the month of January of 2022, uh, but it's also our final Sunday in Chapter Three of the Gospel of Mark. As this morning we will be looking at Mark Chapter Three, verses thirty-one through thirty-five, which is a unique little text about Jesus Christ and his mother and his brothers. However, it isn't like Jesus' family just kind of arrives on the scene here out of nowhere. And I say that because, although last week we worked our way through a narrative about some scribes from Jerusalem and this concept of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the week before that, church, when we were looking at verses 13 through 21— We actually close that section by noting that when Jesus Christ finally returned home, likely to Capernaum and likely to the house of Simon and Andrew, that again another crowd of people gathered to see him. A crowd that was so unrelenting of Jesus Christ that they were literally, verse 20, keeping him from eating. Therefore, when members of Jesus' family heard about this, that Jesus wasn't even eating because of the constant demands of the crowds that were coming to see him, they then, verse 21, went out to seize him, because in their estimation, Jesus Christ had gone crazy and nuts and kooky and pretty much verse 21 out of his mind. Nevertheless, church, following this account of Jesus' family going out to seize him, John Mark, he turns his attention here to this story about some scribes from Jerusalem who were claiming at this time that Jesus Christ, verse 22, was possessed by Beelzebub and that it was by the prince of demons that he was able to cast out the demons, to which Jesus Christ then, he responded to those nonsensical and illogical and ridiculous claims by saying to the scribes in verse 24, that if a kingdom is divided against itself, that that kingdom cannot stand. And that if a house is divided against itself, that that house will not be able to stand. And essence, saying that it is not Satan who is rising up against himself here, but instead being that Jesus Christ is stronger than Satan, what is actually taking place here then is that Jesus Christ has broken into Satan's realm, has bound him up, and is actually plundering him of his goods and setting those in his possession free as he casts the demons out. To which this dialogue then between Jesus Christ and that of the scribes, well, it ends with a terrifying warning. That warning being verse 29, that whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Meaning that individuals who get to the point, church, where their heart becomes so hard and so callous and so obstinate toward Jesus Christ that despite all the evidence that the Holy Spirit puts in front of them, that their permanent position will forevermore be to ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit and to instead describe the very work of Jesus Christ to the evil one himself. And thus will never, ever, ever be forgiven of that sin because quite honestly, they will never seek to repent of that sin. However, church, as we see in the text today, John Mark, he once again turns his attention back to Jesus' family here, but this time it is in order to display to his readers exactly who are the true members of the family of God. Which at this time takes us to our thesis statement this morning, church or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. The true children of God are only those who do the will of God. The true children of God are only those who do the will of God. Therefore, at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up to Mark chapter 3, as we will be looking specifically this morning at verses 31 through 35. And if you are joining us today and do not have a Bible with you, please know that is okay and that there are Bibles located in the chairs in front of you this morning. Therefore, let me lovingly encourage you at this time to grab one of those Bibles, to open it up to page 838, and to join us as a church family as we hear the Word of God together this morning. For again, church, we are in Mark chapter 3 this morning, and we'll be looking at verses 31 through 35, where John Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And the crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my mother and my sister and my brother. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that as brothers and as sisters in Jesus Christ, we can gather in your house this morning and worship a perfect and infallible and sovereign and wondrous and mysterious and glorious God together this morning. For we are part of the family of God Heirs of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ, because of the gift of salvation you have given us, Father. It is not because we were special, because we had certain parents, because we were a certain nationality or race. But in love, you predestined us for adoption to yourself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to your will lest to you be the praise and glory forever and ever this morning, Father, we pray. Father, I pray that this text this morning as well, Lord, that it convicts us, that it strengthens our love for you, God, and that it also encourages us in our love for each other. For if Jesus Christ calls us his brothers, and his sisters and his family, than to love Jesus Christ well is to love each other. Thus, encourage us in that we pray this morning, Father. Convict us where we have failed, and let us learn to love the church, the family of God, more and more each day. Father, I pray for help this morning as I communicate this message to your people. I pray that you send your Spirit, that my confidence this morning is not in the gifts of man, but in the perfection of your word, Father. Let me speak clearly, confidently, and boldly, because this is your infallible word, Father, given to us in the Scriptures, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this, point number one, In order to become a child of the Most High God, it doesn't matter what flesh you've been born of, for you must be born of God. In order to become a child of the Most High God, it doesn't matter what flesh you've been born of, for you must be born of God. Verses 31 through 33, where Mark writes, and his mother and his brothers came, And standing outside, they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? So again, church, we left off two weeks ago with Jesus' family receiving this news that because of the crowds that Jesus Christ was not eating. Therefore, Jesus' family, they take off from Nazareth in order to seize Jesus Christ and to likely bring him back with them to Nazareth, since they believed that Jesus Christ had gone, verse 21, out of his mind. And thus, as we see in the text, Jesus' family, they arrive on the scene, particularly, as verse 31 notes, Jesus' mother and Jesus' brothers arrive on the scene. Jesus' mother, as in Mary, and Jesus' brothers, or Jesus' half-brothers, likely James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, as Matthew chapter 13 points out. And just as a side note to your church, being that there is no mention of Joseph in the text, Jesus' earthly father, it is the assumption of most commentators here that Joseph then, at this time, had passed away. Nevertheless, we likely have a scene here, church, where Mary, Jesus' mother, and James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, Jesus' half-brothers, are all standing outside of the house where Jesus Christ is located, likely because of the crowd, verse 32, that was sitting around Jesus Christ at this time. And thus, because of that church, as we see in verse 31, Jesus' family then, well, they send word to Jesus Christ, as the NASB puts it, and they called to him, likely doing so, as James Edwards explains, in order to assert a claim over Jesus Christ, since Jesus' family here likely just assumed that they had certain rights over Jesus Christ that he was obligated to honor to which the aforementioned crowd then, well, they say to Jesus Christ in verse 32 that your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you, to which Jesus Christ then, he responds back to them by saying in verse 33, who are my mother and my brothers? For who are my mother and my brothers? Now, if this response by Jesus Christ seems to be a bit unusual to you, church, and maybe even that of a bit stunning and startling and surprising and unforeseen, well then just imagine how this response would have sounded to Jesus's family here, especially in light of the Jewish context that was present here. That being, as Paul Menere puts it, where a man was obligated to honor his family and where respect for one's parents was actually enforced by the law. Therefore, this response of Jesus Christ saying, who are my mother and my brothers, for it must have been just absolutely jaw-dropping for Jesus' family to hear. Nevertheless, church, Jesus Christ here, he isn't asking this question because he really is kooky and crazy and nuts and insane. For this is the Son of God that we are talking about here, and thus it's not like he's just blanked here, or forgotten here, or was unable to recall here exactly who his mother and his brothers were. For that is most definitely not the case here. Nor is Jesus Christ saying here that it is okay to neglect your mother and your brothers, or dismiss your mother and brothers, or reject your mother and brothers, or completely disregard your mother and your brothers, because as Jesus Christ Himself affirmed in Matthew chapter 15, we are to honor our Father and our Mother, and that whoever reviles their Father or Mother, that they must surely die. Therefore, Jesus Christ is most definitely not sinning here, church, or reviling His Mother here, church, or even disregarding regarding his family here, church, when he says, "'Who are my mother and my brothers?' Since Jesus Christ is the sinless Son of God, always walked according to the will of God, and thus always cared for and loved and addressed all the members of his earthly family perfectly and humbly and without sin. Therefore, when Jesus Christ says here in verse 33, "'Who are my mother and my brothers?' What he's beginning to get at, as Daniel Aiken notes, is that even though his family members here were related to Jesus Christ, and of the same bloodlines of Jesus Christ, and grew up in the same household as Jesus Christ, and were all part of the same family tree as Jesus Christ, that in no way, church, meant that they had any special authority or right or claim to be part of the true spiritual family of Jesus Christ. Which means, then, church, big picture here, that no one, and I mean no one, can become part of the family of God simply because of what nationality they are, or what ethnicity they are, or what race they are, or what color they are, or what last name they possess. Since the true family of God is not made up of those who rely on who they are physically, but instead it is only made up of those who have been regenerated and redeemed and transformed spiritually." a point church that Donald Barnhouse illustrates so well in this little story, where he writes, At the commencement ceremonies at a Bible institute in Canada, a young woman gave a testimony that will never be forgotten, for she stood before a great audience and said, I was found on a doorstep in a basket in Leeds, England, when I was six days old. However, I was also found and saved by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, here in Canada ten years ago. For many people think that it is a great disadvantage to be abandoned by your parents and left at the mercy of this world. However, to be found and saved by Jesus Christ is the greatest experience of all, since it is the beginning of eternity. Therefore, although you may have been born to the wealthiest of families, or been Surrounded by loving and caring parents. If you have not been found and saved by Jesus Christ, then you are still indeed lost. And thus, when it comes to the family of God, church, It does not matter if you have been born Jew or Gentile, slave or free, black or white, brown or yellow, male or female, rich or poor or that of anything else, because the only thing that matters when it comes to the family of God is not what flesh you have been born of, but that you have been born again and thus ultimately been born of God. Since only those who have been born of God have been eternally adopted into the family of God. And that privilege, that honor, and that gift, church, of being eternally adopted into the family of God, well, it only comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, and never through our physical bloodlines, and nor through the ancestors of man. Which takes us to point number two this morning, church, which only confirms and further elaborates on point number one. And thus, point number two this morning, church, is this. The true family of God consists only of those who do the will of God. The true family of God consists only of those who do the will of God. Verses 34 and 35, which reads, And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus Christ, dear church, after saying in verse 33, who are my mother and my brothers, he then, as we see in verse 34, looks about at those who sat around him and says, here are my mother and my brothers. Or as Matthew chapter 8 puts it, stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Clarifying then in verse 35, or in essence, defining what he means by that in verse 35 by saying, for whoever does the will of God, for he is my brother and sister and mother. Or as Luke chapter 8 puts it, my mother and my brother are those who hear the word of God and do it not those church who only want to study the Word of God and view Jesus Christ as some kind of academic subject, Not those, church, who only want the miracles of God and to view Jesus Christ as some kind of genie. And certainly not those, church, who think that they are the people of God simply because of their bloodlines, ancestors, or race. But instead, the true spiritual family of Jesus Christ is only made up, church, of those who do the will of God. And that they respond in faith to the gospel of God and continue then to walk in faith by keeping the commandments of God. And this is so important for us to grasp today, church, because we are living at a time where there are churches out there today with pastors erroneously saying things like, if you're already saved, but if you now want to take the next step in your faith, and make Jesus Christ not only your Savior, but also now your Lord, then you need to do this, implying, church, that you can somehow be saved from the wrath of God by Jesus Christ, all while not submitting to Jesus Christ as Lord. Or that it is only the super-spiritual who are out there today, church, who get to the point where they make Jesus Christ their Savior and seek to do his will as Lord. Whereas Jesus Christ, he makes clear here, church, that the true family of God is only made up of those who do the will of God. And Jesus Christ, he can say that, church, because submission to the will of God, and devotion to the will of God, and faithfulness to the will of God actually displays that someone is part of the family of God, and actually is truly in communion with God. Because for someone to say, church, that they are part of the family of God, and that they are in communion with God, all while refusing to submit to the will of God? Well, quite frankly, church, that kind of relationship with God, if you will, well, it will end up going something like this. For as the old German poem says, you call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and and follow me not. You call me life, and desire me not. You call me wise, and acknowledge me not. You call me fair, and love me not. Rich, and ask me not. Eternal, and seek me not. Gracious, and trust me not. Noble, and serve me not. Mighty, and honor me not. Just, and fear me not. Therefore, if I condemn you, you can blame me not. For these are the sobering words, church, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from his Sermon on the Mount, For he said that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, For on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And thus to put it all together here, church, from our text this morning in order to become part of the family of God or to become part of the true family of Jesus Christ, you cannot rely or depend or expect your background or your heritage or your last name or your bloodlines or any other physical attribute that you might possess no matter how good you think it may be to save you, to redeem you, or to get you adopted into the family of God forever because we are only saved by grace alone through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone which means then church that we must 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 confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead in order to be saved Romans chapter 10 and that by confessing and submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ we will naturally then church become doers of the word of God and not hearers only James chapter 1 which is evidence then in and of itself that we are now part of the family of God forever and ever and ever. And thus a word of encouragement. Remain faithful, Christian and dedicated Christian, and devoted, and zealous, and obedient Christian to walk in the ways of God each and every day of your life, all while joyfully knowing, Christian, that you are indeed in the greatest relationship and part of the greatest family that this world has ever seen. Predestined, called, regenerated, justified, and adopted as a child of the Most High God into the family of the Most High God. Amen, church? And us as we begin to close this morning, I want to start by addressing the non-Christian who was here first. And non-Christian, I assume you might be sitting there this morning wondering, for why on earth is a relationship with God so great and so meaningful and so transcendent? And the reason I just said non-Christian that being in a relationship with God or being reconciled back to God is the greatest relationship that one can have. It's because if you think about it, non-Christian, not only does it mean then that you are in a relationship with the one who created you, and who gave life to you, and who continues to sustain you, but it also then means, non-Christian, that you are also in an eternal relationship with the one who saved you from your sin, who rescued you from the depths of hell, and who promised to bless you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. However, that reconciled relationship with God, non-Christian, make no mistake about it, for it is only given to those who repent of their sins and who place their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news, non-Christian, that God, our Heavenly Father, loved this world so much that he sent his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into this world as truly God and as truly man to live and to dwell amongst us and to save us from our sin. And he, Jesus Christ, did that for us, non-Christian, by initially living for us the life that we could never live, and that the life that Jesus Christ lived here on on earth was a perfect and righteous and holy and good life, free of any kind of sin. Therefore, meaning that Jesus Christ fulfilled the law of God, then non-Christian, in its entirety for the children of God. However, Jesus Christ living a perfect life here on earth, that in and of itself was not enough to save sinners from their sins, because a debt a price, a wage that was still owed for their sins, it needed to be paid, that wage being death. And thus, even though Jesus Christ never sinned non-Christian, he still willingly then paid the price for our sins by being nailed to a cross at Calvary and dying a sinner's death in our place and as our very substitute. as essence, non-Christian, the righteous Son of God, he died in the place of unrighteous sinners. However, and here is the crazy part of all of this, non-Christian, being that Jesus Christ never sinned, sin and death then, they had absolutely no claim over Jesus Christ. And furthermore, non-Christian being that God the Father then accepted Jesus Christ as an atoning sacrifice on our behalf three days later, than Jesus Christ, he did not stay dead. But instead he rose from the dead and he defeated sin and triumphed over eternal death once and for all. And he now offers eternal life, non-Christian, to all who place their trust in him. Thus let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin as the only one who paid the price for your sin and died for your sin and can clothe you then in his perfect life, in his righteousness, and reconcile you back to God forever. And thus, today can be the day, non-Christian, that you become part of the greatest family and have the greatest relationship that this world has ever seen. But in order to do so, you must repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ since he is the only only one non-Christian who can forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of salvation and eternal life. And to the Christian who is here today, brother Christian, sister Christian, when I came here just over two years ago, I was and still am very intentional about addressing you all as my brothers in Christ, as my sisters in Christ, and as my family in Jesus Christ. Since as Christians, we are all now citizens together in God's kingdom, members together in his family, stones together in his temple, and all one together in Jesus Christ. And yet, brother Christian, sister Christian, When you walk into church on a Sunday morning and you see your aforementioned brothers and sisters in Christ, how exactly do you view them? For do you really see them as individuals who you possess an inseparable unity with, an unbreakable bond with, a sure foundation with, and a deep and eternally connected relationship with? Or do you see them as individuals who you can ignore and not greet and not pray for and not care for and so forth because, quite frankly, you don't really know them or don't feel like you have anything in common with them or maybe even you just don't really like some of them. And I've seen kind of as a way to cover up some of these aforementioned feelings that some Christians out there today will speak now just very very generally about the church and say things like, oh, I just love the church, and that's, oh, I just love the body of Jesus Christ, which in and of itself is most certainly not a bad thing. However, as I have heard said many times before, if you really want to know how much you really love the church, then just consider for a second who you love the least in the church, because how much you love that person is really how much you love the church. A. W. Tozer, he wrote that unity is necessary for the outpouring of the Spirit of God. For if you have 120 volts of electricity coming into your house, but you have broken wiring, you may turn the switch on, but nothing works. No lights come on, the stove doesn't warm, the radio doesn't turn on, nothing. Why? Because you have broken wiring. The power is ready to do its work, but where there is broken wiring, there is no power. And thus unity is necessary among the children of God if we are going to know the flow of God's power and see him do his wonderings. And thus, if you are sitting there this morning, Christian, and you can look back at your week at this time and see that you didn't reach out to one of your brothers in Christ, or didn't text any of your sisters in Christ, or didn't call or share a meal with or encourage or pray for anyone here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church and not only that but you were also then more zealous in reaching out to those in your bowling league or in your book club or who you play fantasy football with or follow on social media then lovingly let me encourage you Christian this morning verse 35 to do the will of God who called us as brothers and sisters in Christ to love one another as Jesus Christ loved us. Not to ignore one another, not to avoid one another, not to disregard one another or detest one another, dismiss one another, or despise one another, but instead to greet one another, to spend time with one another, to invest in each other, to get to know one another, to strengthen the faith of one another, to encourage one another, to weep with one another, rejoice with one another, and to do the will of God with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, since that is now who we are, church. And thus, although our first and our greatest love will always be for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, church, let us never, ever, ever fail to forget that in order for us to love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ well, that we must absolutely be willing to reach out, to encourage, and to love those whom Jesus Christ himself called his brother and his sister and his family, since he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love a God whom he has not seen. And thus it is my prayer that we as a church body realize just how special of a relationship we have with our God and with each other. For we were not grafted into the family of God because of our physical heritage or because of our last name or parents or race or nationality, but instead we all have become part of the family of God because of God who ultimately saved us. And thus as the children of God, let us then in the here, and now be forever willing to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, that being to keep the will of God, to love the word of God, and to press on in following the commandments of God. In particular, Father, let us as the body of Jesus Christ be faithful in loving one another, in building each other up, in greeting one another, in meeting with each other, weeping with each other, rejoicing with each other, and growing in the unity of the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. For let this community around us, Lord, know that we here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church are brothers and sisters in Christ by the way we love one another, a love that is ultimately founded and grounded, Father, in our love for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us as a church body to love one another as we have been loved by you. For you have fulfilled the law completely, an act of love for the Jews. You have grafted Gentiles into your body, you have made those who were once your enemy, brought them to your table. Forgiven us of our sins, clothe us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, so that we can be in fellowship, in community, in union with you, God, forever. Co-heirs with Jesus Christ, for that is what bonds us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Here, it is Christ. It is not a football team. It's not chicken wings. It is not cards or books or anything else. It is the Lord of lords, the King of kings, Jesus Christ, is the one who binds us together, who sustains us, and who we will be with forever. And thus, if Christ considers us to be co-heirs with him, to be brothers and sisters with him, for us to love the Savior of the world well, we must, Love each other. Convict us, Father, I pray. Let us be bold in our actions this week, this month, this year, and forevermore in encouraging each other, greeting each other, sharing meals together, building each other up in the faith so that we as a church body can do the will of God together. In Jesus' name, amen.